Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition edition of Teaching Tales. I am once again your host, Brent Coley, and if this is your first time tuning in, this is our podcast devoted to sharing stories in education. Each week, I have a different guest on, and we share stories about what we've learned in education, and this week, I am super stoked to uh, have my good friend join me, Scott Bedley. Scott, how are we doing, man? Uh, better than I deserve. <laughs> better than you deserve. Ain't that ain't that the truth? Grace, grace every single day. Every day. Well, Scott, thanks. Uh, I'm on spring break. Are you on spring break yet? Right, I'm on spring break, and my spring yeah. break lasts actually three long weeks. <laughs> I thought I was blessed with two weeks, but wow, <laughs> you got me beat, buddy. That's fantastic. well. I have to, I have well, to go back July. 12th or something like that for the oh. next school year so oh that's right because you're on year round right i am on year round oh, okay well enjoy well so we're spending our morning of spring break so scott first of all for anyone who is not aware of who scott bedley is tell us a little about yourself a little background i am brother to tim son <laughs> to gene husband to Kristen. and father to dean <laughs> i'm a fifth grade teacher and uh I love teaching and being in education. It's my 23rd year in education, and I've, I've taught everything, uh, Brent, from third all the way through high school, so and pretty much everything in between. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you are, you are definitely one of those innovators who is always looking to try something new, and that's what I appreciate. Just in talking with you and presenting at Q and things like that, you always push me to think outside the box and to try new things to engage students. So, yeah, uh, I think uh, our, our, our educational spaces, where, whether you're an entire school like you're doing, Brent, or classrooms or districts or whatever, they should be labs. I mean, learning is laboratory work. It's art. It's, it's all of that. So why not, why not just try some stuff, right? And the worst thing that could happen is it doesn't work, then you try something new the next time, right? That's so. Right. But the best thing that could happen is kids go home thinking, oh my gosh, that was the greatest day ever of school. So, And so what we're going to talk about this week, for those of you tuning in, is when Scott, you and I were talking, it's like, well, what do you want to talk about? What kind of stories? And I said, how about, how about talking about the best teachers, our favorite teachers we've ever had and why those are our favorite teachers? Because everyone's got a favorite teacher. Everyone's got a least favorite teacher and we won't talk about that today <laughs> but we'll talk sure? about well maybe maybe we'll get there maybe it'll kind of go down that area um, but but Scott so favorite teachers that you had growing up before we started recording you said that that you had a couple that you wanted to share about so go for it the the, the mic is yours and Brent thanks for letting me come on and share about this I, I love the topic and I think the teacher that I there's a couple of them Definitely a couple teachers. I don't think one just shapes you, but uh, besides and besides my parents, who were very uh, pivotal, obviously, in and becoming who I am, I had a sixth grade teacher named Linda Jackson, and she was a newer, younger teacher. Uh, if you want to get a visual of her, if any of you are as old as myself and you watched uh, Mork and Mindy. She looked very much like Mindy, and so like, Pam Dauber. Pam Dauber, that's right. <laughs> we all, all the sixth grade boys had a crush on her because she's like, that's the time when Mork and Mindy was like a popular show. Yeah. Boom, there yeah. she is. She's in our classroom. She's our teacher. It's crazy. What's up with this? <laughs> um, and I, I just remember her bringing me alongside of her 
at one point in encouraging me to run for student council president. And at that time, I just thought, I mean, I'm like, I, I don't know. I, it wasn't something I considered. And, and she coached me all through this process. And I remember a, a conversation we had and she was going to be absent the next day. I'd run, I got up and gave the speech and actually got selected as student council president in my sixth grade year. And I remember sitting with her and her saying, you know, I'm going to be gone tomorrow, Scott, and I, and I trust you. I, I need you to help take care of the class. That's and awesome. to hear someone that believed in me to help take care of the class was just like, oh, man, really. It, it not only instilled in me a sense of responsibility for the class, but it also gave me this power of like, man, she believes in me. And uh, Brent, I, I was just maybe about a year and a half ago, I was – Actually, it was a little bit long ago. I was looking through, through some old things, and I found this letter. And it was a letter that she had also written and left on my desk, encouraging me about that same conversation. And um, she had left it for me uh, and just talking about, you know, here's how you can help out. Here's what you can do. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. And I think uh, it was this little effort on her part to write this note, but it's something that I've still saved. And I was just going to say, know, yeah, you still, you still, still have it. That. How many years later? That's, yeah. that's amazing. So many years later. And then, you know, what was, what was really like mind blowing is just my, this whole relationship came to a weird full circle, Brent. So I'm uh, I, I helped open a new site a few years back and we were looking for middle school science teachers and I happened to be on the interview panel and um, guess who walks into the oh, room to interview you, for a position? <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. Pam Dauber? No, Pam Dauber. That's right. <laughs> she was uh, now Linda Brooks, married, and uh, she walked in, you know, and, and I saw her, and I'm like, she's hired. Like, she, she is everything. Wow. She was, like, one of those people, one of those teachers in my life. I'm like, how – like, just let's just give her the job. So I was clearly biased right from the get-go. <laughs> she was my number one pick, and uh, she actually was, did, did fantastic in the interview, and everybody else felt the same way. It was, it was really amazing to get the chance to teach with somebody who was, to me, such a huge influence on, on my attitude towards learning. Uh -huh. So it was, it was really cool. That's, that is tremendous. That is that is wow yeah that's that's very cool i do think she was a little bit worried when she saw me sitting across there <laughs> she was like she was probably thinking like i hope i was really not nice to him yeah. what how how was i with him last year but little did she know or at least at the time that like you said you're hired before Brent, before. it makes me think too like sorry to interrupt you. it no. makes me think too like all those relationships that you're building whether they're positive or negative if you're out there teaching those, those can come full circle real fast. Yeah. You know, whether it's like going into a restaurant and you happen to see that student that you showed a lot of kindness and compassion to and they're your server, or maybe somebody you weren't so nice to, you know, coming full circle there. And so it's just really, it's really shows you the power of the position that we have and, and how important it is to care for those relationships. And when you do mess up and you say something that maybe you didn't mean to, you're grumpy or whatever happens, yeah. to go to those students who are people and apologize authentically and uh, you know just just repair that relationship like you'd have to do with uh, anyone in your life. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's and and episode 10, if anyone's listening, you have not listened to episode 10, it's all about what you just said, apologizing. 
when you blow it, not if you blow it, but yeah, when. when you blow it, own it. And, yeah. and there's such power in apology. I had a, I had a fourth grade teacher who, when I was thinking about like, well, who, who, who really stands out? I had a ton of them. And, but my fourth grade teacher, her name was Mrs. Olson. And she created, and, and it's one of those things, I mean, when you go back to your teacher, do you like remember the classroom and everything? I'm, I'm assuming. I remember the exact spot where it was. Everything. It was huh? off of this quad and there was four classrooms and this like uh, stared down pit in the center. I, I remember it vividly, definitely. Yeah, yeah my, mine's exactly the same way. And I mean, I could almost like sketch it right now. It, it's that vivid. But what I remember from her class in fourth grade, it, it wasn't like if you said, what did you learn in fourth grade? Like standards wise, <laughs> I don't think I could tell. I mean, I, I don't remember any of the like academic lessons, but what I remember is she created experiences. And one of the most vivid things, she created a classroom environment that was so nurturing and a place where I wanted to be. Um, every day after lunch, she would read aloud, like a lot of teachers do, like they'll do a read aloud or something. What she did is she had all the kids come on the front, the front carpet. She would sit in a chair in the front of the classroom and she would read, which again, a lot of teachers do. But what I remember, we would, the students, we would get in rows and we would scratch each other's backs. <laughs> it was so, it was so, so, you, so just picture like a semicircle of kids. It wasn't just a mass of students. It had like, like rows, almost like the, the, the plumes of a peacock coming out. And you always wanted to be in the front because that means you had your back scratched, but you didn't have to scratch anybody else's back. But, but Isn't that the same in your household too? <laughs> exactly. But I remember her reading like tales from the fourth grade, nothing. And, but just, just a place where it's like she created an environment where that was cool that you could scratch, you could scratch literally scratch my back and I'll scratch yours type thing. But it, was, it wasn't like sit at your desk, so now we're going to do some reading time. It was such a casual, fun learning environment. It was, yeah, community. It was, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was awesome. You said you had a second teacher? Who, who, who was your second person? Yeah, you know, and I have a couple. I'm going to jump to high school. And then I have one more if we have time to jump to yeah. college. Yeah. But uh, there was a couple really amazing teachers. There was a lot of amazing teachers, right, when you start thinking back and reflecting on it. But uh, there was two particular teachers, and I'm going to talk about one of them, and his name was uh, Rick Lara. And he was our high school speech teacher. And the great thing about Rick was that he pushed everybody out of their comfort zone and broke down all the click walls that are so prevalent, like at high schools where people separate, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the way he did that uh, in, in a non-threatening way, but was uh, through almost like embarrassing moments that everybody had to be embarrassed in. Yeah. <laughs> so like he had us all doing a lip sync in front of the class, you know, and like the first week of school, basically, we had to pick a song and lip sync it in front of the class. So. But, you know, by the end of the first week of class, we were also embarrassed that we had to do this in front of our peers at high school. Like it, the walls started broke to break all down. The walls down. Yeah. It broke down the walls. And the way he ran his class was, was all about that breaking down the walls and opening people up to really share about who they were authentically. And, and that happened through crazy experiences like that. 
And uh, that's something that I still value in my teaching is I, th I think about how am I breaking down the walls? I, I don't do it like that, but how am I breaking down the walls for my students who, Brent, in my class right now, I, ha I have a t over 20 different languages, home languages spoken at our fifth grade level. Wow. And so how do you break down those cultural walls and get us to love and care and appreciate each other and the cultures that we have? And so you're always kind of like looking at those those walls and, and then you think bigger picture, like how do you do that amongst your peers and, and how do you do that even globally? How do you break down those walls and connect people? And, and so I think it's something that's always in the back of my mind when I'm processing through kind of a lot of the things I do um, related to education is is what walls are there and how do we break those walls down yeah because you can't if students aren't comfortable they're yeah. not gonna they're not gonna learn I mean right. it, it, we, we have to address that those relationships those doing everything we can to again like you said break down those walls in order to to hit the learning um, and I, Brent, I think I think there was like a level of trust that he built really quickly because yeah. of that and and I think the authenticity was was really uh, transparent and and you could see that he was doing this without intent of judging us and so I think you see different things happening in education and you're not quite sure uh, who is it intending to uh, benefit and I think that's that's where I always look at different things that are happening movements in education and say okay so really who what is Who's benefiting from this? Do I trust this movement, or is this a movement that I need to stay away from? And, and we see this throughout life, not just in education, but everywhere. It's like, you know, why should I trust this movement? And and so I think that trust is super vital. Oh yeah, especially at that, like you said, in high school. Well, yeah, uh, everyone. But I mean, geez, okay. middle, middle, middle school and high school is is that time when peer influences and peer relationships are so. <laughs> Yeah. So, but you you don't want to look like an like a fool in no. front of here. But like you said, what a, what a no. But we all had to, <laughs> and, and you all did. He said, like we're all going to look like a fool. So nobody's a fool because we're all because we're all in it together. That's that's awesome. I, At least the inertia fell towards that, right? So when the inertia yeah. moves in one direction, you, you're you want to be on the side where the inertia is moving to. I think that's what prevents people from change. Is the inertia falls towards keeping things the same. And if we can get to the tipping point on things, then the inertia pushes us towards change. Yeah, uh, that's that's when things progress. It's like so. it's like it's like karaoke. Yeah, like karaoke. The, the long the longer. I mean, I've only done it twice in my life, but yeah, <laughs> the longer you're there watching people, because you're like, I mean, I'm the type that's like, there's no way I'm getting up on. <laughs> but the longer you sit there and watch, and and then a different person comes up, and a different person, it's like your walls start breaking down and it's almost like we need to make our classrooms more like karaoke. Right. By the end you're singing Bon Jovi on top of the table, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I had a, I had a high school teacher moving up to another one. I had in high school, the one that I remember the most that I admired, her name was Mrs. Godfrey and she, she was my economics and um, government, U.S. government teacher. Uh, I believe I, I believe I was a senior. And what I remember about her is she was she was a maternal figure, just incredibly nurturing and just kind, just a very short, 
a very short woman, just kind of just kind of came in and did her business. But what I remember about her, Scott, is she she knew her stuff. Well, I mean, even at that age, my I remember my buddies and I, we would always comment like, you could never ask her a question and have her not know the answer. She <laughs> always knew the answer. She was Google before Google, huh? She <laughs> it was exactly. She she was so prepared. And I think oftentimes we will think that students don't notice that. And even as as a as a 17 or an 18 year old kid, I noticed and my friends noticed, geez, Mrs. Godfrey, she's coming to class prepared. I never remember her remember her like reading off a of cue cards or even reading off a of notes. She always knew her stuff. And I think, yes, there are going to be times when we improvise, where we should mm. improvise. I mean, things aren't going the way they should. I mean, kids aren't getting it, so we're going to need to adjust on the fly. But the lesson I learned from Mrs. Godfrey is if you if you come in totally unprepared yeah. <laughs> and think, well, I'm the teacher and they're the kids, and they're, they're going to know. They're, they're going to know because the opposite was true. When she was totally prepared, I knew. And in addition to being totally prepared, what I remember about Mrs. Godfrey was her, her mannerism with kids because in a government and economics class, there were some, as most classes, there were some knuckleheads in there who, who were not always uh, behaving as they should. And I remember she was firm. Like she ran a she ran a structured classroom, but she did it in a way she never yelled at kids. Mm. She did it in a way that was respectful. That it's like, hey guys, this is my expectation, and you need to meet it. And if you don't, it's going to be a consequence. But she did it in a way that she never she never dressed anybody down or anything mm. like that. As too often happens, I think sometimes, uh, especially I think in the upper upper levels, you hear these stories of high school teachers cussing kids out and stuff like that. So. Um, mm. Yeah, I think you uh, you kind of get what you put out there. If you're respectful to kids in general, they're going to want to be respectful back. And uh, if you're disrespectful to them, then certainly, especially at high school, oh, <laughs> they, oh. they will. You embarrass somebody. Un you embarrass them in front of your. Yeah, you embarrass somebody in front of their peers. Uh, it's not going to be good. No, it's not going to be good. So. Did you have a did you have a college person too? College I did. Person? Do we have time for everyone? Yeah, go for it. Go yeah, for it. I I can't not mention. Did I say that right? That's a double negative. And <laughs> and that's appropriate because he was an English professor and I decided to get my uh a minor degree in English so that I could teach in, uh, high school English if I wanted to. And I remember going through like an advanced grammar class and just struggling and struggling, struggling. And then I finally had him in a creative writing class. And he, it was a very small school and he knew all the English majors um, because they would have him several times. Right. So, so Keith Ewing, professor Ewing, um, uh, I had him in a class and I, I turned in this writing and I remember getting a note on when I got the, the, the narrative it was a narrative back saying he wanted to see me. And I was like, oh, no, oh my gosh. Uh -oh. <laughs> uh -oh. College professor wants to see you? What, what in oh, the no. world? And, um, and he, he said, you know, make an appointment with my secretary for, my, for some office hours and come and see me. I'm like, is he going to tell me I need to leave the class? Am I horrible? Like, oh, my gosh. And I was 
totally sweating it. It's probably like two or three days later, and I and I go up to his office, and he's sitting in there, and very very collegial kind of office. It's got one window. I, I can still picture it. He's he's a painter as well. He had some of his paintings on the wall. I mean, he was a renaissance man, if there ever was one. Mm. He came from Oregon, and he was grew up as, as like a son of a farmer and then just had a passion for English and, and writing. And um, I came in, and I just stood there, and he didn't say anything, and he was working on his computer. And I just hear him, you know, clear his throat. And he, he kind of like slowly turns around, stands up, and walks over and puts his hand on my shoulder and he like squeezes it with like a like a and he, you know he was probably in his 70s mm -hmm. when i had him squeezes it with this strong farmer hand you know like that that kind of real strength and just like almost buckles me <laughs> and takes this deep breath and and now after i've gotten to know him and knew him for have known him for a long time you know he just take take this long and then you're like, what is he thinking? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And he's like, he just looks at me and he says, where did you come from? He's like, that story was amazing. How come I haven't met you before? And he starts going into this. And I was like sitting there so panicked and he's telling me about the story they wrote and how great it was. And I'm, I'm almost like in this fog because I was so paranoid coming into that point. And the, the thing that really made an impact is he saw something in me that I think others hadn't seen. Mm. Not only did he see it, but he took the time to meet with me and encourage that in me. And from that point forward, we built a relationship. He would actually share some of his writing with me, which I think was fantastic to share some of his personal writing and poems and narratives with me. And I would share with him and it, it became this really kind of like more collegial uh, experience than it was like professor and student but all the time I was just like he's brilliant this mentor and he's doing I mean just guy is an amazing man and um, and and uh, I'm just so thankful I got a chance to have him as a professor and had I not decided to do that minor in English I would have probably missed out on that relationship but you know that that somebody seeing and identifying something in you that you have never seen, I think is a huge part of being a teacher and something that I try to do is and point that out to kids when I see something special about them. Oh, absolutely. That just, not a, not a teacher I had, but yeah, I, I had a student who was an incredible writer going back, back to your story. Yeah. He was in, yeah. fourth, he, he skipped fourth grade and, and went straight to fifth grade. <laughs> so this kid was like nine and he- On purpose? I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, exactly. And he, he was an amazing writer. And one day he came in and he wrote, he had written like a three page story and he, he shared it with me. And I remember like during my lunch reading it and it was, I don't know if you remember, there is a book called Aragon what? I think by Christopher Paulini. He was big into that book and I'm reading this and it's like in the world of that story. And I remember asking him, I said, Austin, I said, is this like a, a report based on, and he said, no, 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 it's like, it's an original story based in that world. And it was perfect. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was so good. Fast forward, he left in October, he moved. 
his family moved. So I only had him for a couple of months, but I remember pulling him back to my desk at the end. And I said, like, Austin, hey, bud, I'm going to miss you. <laughs> you are, you have been such a pleasure to, to teach. So Austin, I need you to promise me something. I said, when you, when you publish your first book, <laughs> I said, you need to sign my copy. And he kind of, he kind of smiled and, and started to giggle. And I looked him right in the eyes and I said, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I said, you have that gift. You have that talent mm -hmm. that when you publish, I'm going to buy it because I'm going to support you, but you got to promise that you sign, you will sign my copy. So, I mean, and I have looked this, I've looked this kiddo up on the net to try to find him, but, but truly he was that good. So I'm hoping that, um, he took from that conversation some belief that he did have that and that he could go uh, in that direction if he so, if he so chooses. Cause I, I agree with you that, that that belief in kids is in students is so, so powerful. That is so cool that your professor pulled you aside, took the time, come in for the office hours and, and did that. I mean, freaked you out a bit. <laughs> freaked me out. Well, I mean, and so many times it, it led, you know, you think back to, and think back to our current situation. So many times we're about identifying the struggles of kids and not teaching to their strengths. Mm. And it, it just, it just always is the story that reminds me find and teach to their strengths because that's probably where they're going to be headed in their life. Yep. If you can identify and they don't know their strengths yet, I mean, you, you have a lot of kids going to high school, excuse me, going to college now, and they are trying to figure out who they are. And I think it's because no one that they trust has ever said, you know, you're really talented at this. Yes. Um, or, or they've been led down a road that somebody else has wanted them to be talented in that maybe hasn't been their passion and their talents. Yeah. So to, to have somebody there that's kind of pointing out those things and maybe different voice than they're hearing in, in the past um, or from wherever, I think is, is important. Yeah. Find, find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Isn't that how the, if you say so, helpful. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> that's not me. I'm not that wise. So, <laughs> Well, awesome. Scott, thanks, man. I really, really appreciate it. I, I, I enjoyed it. Love, love the stories that you shared. I'm, I'm sure our listeners, mom and dad, did yeah, as, mom and dad. my mom and dad did as well. So <laughs> My mom and dad might listen to this one as well. Oh, there we go. That's right. Well, only because they know Tim was on earlier. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to have, they're going to have, I'm going to have two sets of mom and dad, moms and dads listening to this one. So, well, thanks again. Where can, uh, where can anyone who's listening find you online? What what do you got going on online? Um, you can check me. My personal Twitter is uh, C O T T E A C H Scott Each. Um, uh, but uh, biggest biggest passion by far is Global School Play Day. Mm -hmm. And so if uh, people haven't heard about or checked out globalschoolplayday.com, go there. Plays something that's just. It, it's seeping into every moment of my life. Yeah, uh, and they seem continue to see the importance and impact of allowing kids to play. It's just uh, something I can't I can't hold in. I just keep having to talk about it. So uh, you can also listen to Tim and I on our uh, Bedley Brothers podcast, and we, we we're going to be starting up some new episodes again soon. So Brent, thanks for thanks for letting me come on and share some stories. Absolutely, Scott. Anytime you want to come back, you let me know, buddy. Thanks, man. All right. <laughs> So thanks everyone for listening. Once again, appreciate it. If you haven't done so yet, you can find us in iTunes and Google Play. Be sure to subscribe. You can also 
get it on the website, brentcoley.com slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>